What is happening, everybody? Uh, welcome to the very first episode. I didn't even play any music, did I? No. I didn't play music. No. I'm, it doesn't matter. You want uh, me to sing something? Can you sing? No. You can't sing. That's a bad idea. Uh, the very first episode of Fairly Normal uh, with Josh Wolf. My guest today, the very first guest, is the creator of shows such as My Name is Earl and Raising Hope and Yes, Dear and... Is it, it's not We're the Millers because We're the Millers. Let's just say it's We're the Millers because the Millers got canceled fairly quickly. <laughs> whereas We're the Millers is a movie that people seem to really like. They really did like it. How many people? How many people called your show We're the Millers? Lots of people, lots of people, and I would get credit for. In fact, I saw I was on. By the way, Greg Garcia, everybody, Greg Garcia. Go how's ahead. it going? Yeah, I uh, I saw on the street in New York, uh, someone was selling scripts, and it was We're the Millers, and I was credited as the writer. Not terrible. I thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, uh, w did you ever tell anyone, people, did you ever, when someone said, you're the Where the Millers, you were like, yeah, that's right. I just say thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And then they asked me what Jennifer Aniston was like, and I'm like, she's kind of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo <laughs> I love that. I, you know, I, when people like, sometimes if you get credit for something that's not yours, I'm with you. I don't correct people. It, but I also don't correct people if someone says to me, my brother's this kind of asshole. Like around Christmas time, if someone goes Merry Christmas, he's the asshole who goes, I'm Jewish. Oh. And I'm like, what? Yeah, what's the point? What's the point? Just let that roll. Yeah. Now, I've known you for a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. I, for, okay, so. I think we're almost done. This is it, right? <laughs> this is the wrap up, by the way. <laughs> this is just so you know, this is the wrap up. Yeah. Um, I, I met Greg, okay, so a long time ago when this was before. Had, do, had you had a show on the air yet? Um, I believe so. Yeah, I had the, show. I had had the ironically named "Built to Last" mm -hmm. on the air, which lasted three episodes. So yeah, I had had one show on the air when I met you. And we, uh, the the studio that we were both working with, set us up to uh, write the Josh Wolf show. Basically, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were going to do a, a sitcom basically about your life. But it was decided that I was not experienced enough uh -huh. to do it on my own. Uh -huh. So we were given a, an executive producer who was supervising me as a writer. Yes. You won't say his name, so I will. His name was Danny Jacobson. Yeah, it was a mess. I, I tell stories about that. Because, listen, Greg was, I guess, uh, uh, at that time in your early stages of your career, yes? Yeah, very early, okay. sure. And Danny had written... Mad about oh, lots you. Of stuff. He was yeah. on Roseanne. Okay. Long career. Yes. He also was a big fan of sweatpants with no underwear. Loved it. We oh. saw a lot <laughs> of his balls. I mean, he was such a huge fan. Every meeting was just weed, sweatpants, no underwear, and he I, he was the pioneer of the crock. <laughs> he really was. Yeah, I uh, can see that. Might not have been the croc, but it was a croc. He lived a croc lifestyle. Yeah, very much. Do you know when I used to after listen and, and Greg wrote a, what ended up being the best script, the best version, but Danny f asked the studio to get rid of you. Yeah, I believe so. He was threatened by your script. I do he, know that. And I do remember turning into the script to him. And he said he was going to look at it, and then a week later, it showed up on my doorstep, and it was also delivered to the network, and it had both our names on it as writer, yeah. his and then mine, and it was nothing like the script that I'd written. No, it was a brand new script. It was a brand new script. His script, and here's, by the way, I, I want you to know what his writing process was. His writing process, I went to his house. He invited a writer over who he would not let me address by name. He said, you have to call him Clacky while he's here. So he would say, Clacky, take this down. Yeah. But before we could write a joke, he would take some weed out and he would have this, you know, the, the screen drop from the ceiling and we would watch like two hours of The Honeymooners. <laughs> and then he would be like, no, I'm ready to write. I'm like, oh my God, with your fucking balls. I mean, it, was, <laughs> it yeah. was pretty, pretty terrible. That was a mess. I went over there one time and he had come out of the bathroom, which he had stunk up. And we had, I had my writer's assistant with me and the writer assistant used, needed to use the bathroom, but he didn't want to go in there because it stunk. And so Danny lit up a joint and then blew a bunch of smoke in there. And then my writer assistant, who doesn't smoke weed or do any drugs, looked at me with like extreme terror in his yeah. eyes and then went into the smoke-filled bathroom. Well, so basically, but I think that's a that's a fallacy. Whenever you put a smell over, 
It's like when you spray potpourri, it just smells like some shit on the potpourri. Like nothing, I don't think it helped, yeah. Nothing covers up the smell of shit. No, he just got a little high and had to smell Danny Jacobs' <laughs> shit. That was the end result. Yeah, that's his first chapter of his new book. Of that, yeah. Uh, um, all right, a couple people, listen, uh, uh, just so you know this, and we talked a little bit about this, you are one of three, I would say, TV writers where if I say their name, people are like, oh, I fucking love that guy. Like you have some notoriety like a star, like a celebrity. You would not agree with that. No, I wouldn't. I mean, but I, I do, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that there's people out there that kind of know my brand and the shows that they have liked. Because um, I always like to say I've created some shows you've liked and some you haven't cared for. That's how I describe myself. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question. How would you describe your brand? Because I have a question about about y y your shows, but how would you describe your brand? I would say my brand, if I, if I wanted to brand myself, I would say quirky with heart. That's where I feel like I do my best work, which I would say... My name is Earl, and Raising Hope fit that category, and I've done some failed pilots that fit that category. Not to take anything away from the other shows that I've done, which may not fall into that as much, but I'd like to think that that is more my brand. And you know, and when you do different shows, a lot of times you do different shows because of where it's going to be on the network. It's show business at the end of the day. Right. So if you're going to do things for a particular network at a particular time, for a particular time slot you're trying to get, you're going to write a different show than you would write if you just sit down and go, I'm just going to write a script and then try to sell it. But you're, here's the thing, man, which is, by the way, and you've had me on a couple of your shows, and uh, I, I noticed that you always name my character Josh. Like, you don't think I'm smart enough to figure out somebody else's name? or Are you? <laughs> <laughs> but here's what strikes me funny. Most uh, shows either appeal to the middle of the country or the coasts. Yes? Sure. Okay. Your shows, the characters on your shows, appeal to the middle of the country. They're very identifiable people. A lot of the jokes appeal to the coast. Like it's that's the crazy combination. I feel like that you have that a lot of people. Earl was a very smart show. Yeah, and then we had really good writers who wrote very smart jokes. And I think yeah, that's a very good combination to have. I mean, you know, if you can get everybody to relate to it, then that's when you're going to hit on all cylinders and and do well. But one is about see. I guess I know. Where'd you grow up? Arlington, Virginia. Okay. And so where there's some... is Arlington's on that border of, well, we could be uh, the north or we could be... Yeah, I mean, Arlington's right outside D.C. So, like, I grew up in a pretty suburban, middle-class neighborhood. However, I have people in my family who are either have spent time in jail, who live uh, a little further out that are more blue-collar, I had a friend in uh, high school, a uh, guy that's a fellow writer now, Michael Mike Penny, who uh, lived in a trailer park for a while, and mm -hmm. I'd go over there and visit. So I had a lot of access to different <laughs> parts of life. Access, yeah, which access. were very interesting yeah. to me. But is so is that is that how you got like those Earl characters? You those go back to where you grew up? I think somewhat, yeah. I mean, certainly um, they're loosely based on, you know, I've had people in my life who went through AA uh, many times and tried to turn their life around many times and always would be doing the making amends part of it and uh, and then ultimately screw up and, 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 and get back to where they were. So that was certainly part of Earl. You know, I, I had one of my uh, uncles was uh, married to a woman named Joy, and uh, I don't know, I don't, maybe I just took the name from that and then put in my head what I thought that she actually was because uh, I don't have real good memories of her. As I'm saying this, I'm realizing I don't want her to She's get not upset. listening. No. <laughs> she's don't not. worry, she's not listening. She's not listening. Uh, but, eh, 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 okay, so Earl, and somebody asked me to ask you this. Uh, I, I had so many people ask questions online, so I'm going to try to get all of them. So Earl, right? Yeah. When it gets canceled. Yeah. Um, a shock to you? Yeah, really. I mean, we had a, um, we did a cliffhanger for the season four finale. And it was still getting ratings, right? Wasn't it? It was still doing pretty good. It wasn't at its height. Um, what happened with Earl was it just exploded at the beginning. They put a ton of money into promoting it. It was like their big show. It actually really helped The Office, which wasn't doing very well, right. start to get a better offense, it, uh, audience. It did really well for them. And then they moved it. And that's always trouble. At least it's usually trouble. And they told me, don't worry, we're still going to support it, whatever, they're going to move it. I've 
anytime I've had a show get moved, that's when it starts going yeah. downhill. And so it got moved, and then slowly it started to lose the ratings, and it settled into, <clears throat> you know, what ultimately was a normal show for them. It didn't wasn't at its height anymore. But I was a little concerned. You know, it was the fourth season. I was like, ah, I wonder if they're going to keep going. And I doing it, and I asked NBC. I said, I'm thinking about doing a cliffhanger ending. Are we safe? And they're like, Yeah, you're 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 safe, no problem. And then yeah, then we got canceled. It's the first time that I had. <clears throat> Because you have a pretty good... Here's what I love about you, dude. You have a pretty good grasp on reality. You're the most humble, ultra-successful person that I know. Like, you are a truly humble dude. If someone tells you you're funny, there's a part of you that still doesn't believe it. No, I don't believe it. Which is fucking insane. Because, look, uh, and I told you this when I asked you to come on, on uh, do the panel on my show... You were like, why? I'm not a comic. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm like, dude, you're top five funny people. Like, your jokes are okay. So, but it's the first, like, I think it was the first time I had talked to you a little bit where you seemed a little mad. Yeah. A little, you were, seemed a little, you were like, well, fuck. Yeah. You, you seemed, it was the first time I had seen a little anger from that. No, I was a little, I was bummed out about the whole thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember the the press called me and they said, like, uh, how do you feel? And I said, because NBC doesn't, wasn't doing well at the time. And yeah. I said, well, it's hard to get upset about being thrown off of the Titanic. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and the lady from the L.A. Times was like, oh, my God, I wish you would let me print that. And I was like, why wouldn't I yeah. let you print yeah. that? It seems like the right thing to do, which I think they got pretty upset about. I remember time. that. But here's another thing, dude. What is the best about you? And ultimately what I'm learning about successful people, you have to have, especially in this town, at least a little bit of, fuck you. You have to have a little bit of that. I think it helps. I mean, it's a risk to have that. You know, and I think you have to couple that with like, you know, being nice to people and, yep. and, and being willing to collaborate and stuff like that. But yeah, at the end of the day, I've done shows where I've done everything they want me to do and they don't get on or stay on and you don't get rewarded for that. And then like when we did My Name is Earl, Jason Lee and Mark Buckland and I sat down before we did the pilot and we were like, we're going to do the show we want to do and screw them if they don't put it on. And we lucked out and they put it on. But I think you to be creative, you should you should do what you want to do. Well, I don't think that's lucking out. You know, one thing that I did learn and I've learned from you and also learned from uh, other people that I've worked with, like channels, which is you have to make what you're making like nobody's watching it. Yeah. Make it for you, like what you think is funny. And then hopefully people, because if you start making it for other people, it's not going to. No. And that's what I've always done is I try to do shows that I would watch and uh, that I haven't always been able to do that for the most part. That's what I try to do. And then you just hope that you're in sync with the audience out there or at least a portion of the audience that has the same sensibilities as you have. How much is a successful show? And I know writing, obviously important, is the chemistry of the people on the screen. Oh, it's huge. I mean, I think when it comes down to sitcoms, what really works at the end of the day is characters that people want to watch on TV and humor. And then, yeah, I'm a big slave to story. I want great stories and interesting stories. But for the most part, I don't know how much the audience cares on a weekly basis about stories. Um, I think, you know, the cast and the comedy are the key components there. I remember when we were doing Earl and The Office was on at the same time as us, and my dad used to call me all the time after the show and tell me what he thought of the show, and he'd always say he thought it was a funny episode. And then sometimes he'd talk about The Office, too. And one time I watched The Office, and there was no story. There was just, it was weird. It was like, it was just an episode where they were doing this, I don't know, this party, and it was just not much of a story. And then we had this really intricate story, and I thought, God, I'm killing myself on these stories with twists and turns, and there was no story there. My dad called me and goes, but did you see The Office tonight? That was awesome. And I said, but what was the story? Tell me what the story was. He goes, I don't know. See that guy fall off the bike? <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Can I tell you something? Which is funny because I remember something you told me when you had me write on Yesterday for a little bit. And you also co-created Yesterday, right? Yes. Okay. One of the things I remember asking you, why, and I didn't mean it in a why is this show still on the air. Yeah. But it was the question is, what do you think? And you were like, because this is what you said. People like the characters. I guarantee them two laugh out loud moments a show. 
Story simple. You said simple story. I guarantee they're going to laugh twice out loud and they like the characters and that's what that's enough. Yeah, I think it is. And then also once you gain a little momentum. Oh, and physical comedy. You told me people love physical yeah, comedy. they love it. They love fart jokes and physical comedy, yes. so why not give them a little bit of that? You yeah. know, I think you know, and I try to spice it up in my shows where it's like, look, you if you don't like physical comedy, then there's going to be some clever, you know, thoughtful jokes in there. But if you like physical comedy, there's going to be some of that too, and just try to like sparse it out, you know, get it out there. That's probably the wrong word. Sparse? Spar? No, you wouldn't sparse something out. Sparse would be like there isn't a lot of something, right? Shh. You're asking, you're asking vocabulary words to the guy who's got eight words in the vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> I think sprinkle. Maybe you sprinkle it out. Doesn't Sparse play for the Seahawks? He's in your receiver. Yes, I have him. Tonight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I need him to go off. Where's there any, uh, as far as casting goes? Yeah. Can you think of a time for you where you either were like, oh, I didn't want that guy, and I looked out, or do you like? Can you ever? Because how much of the casting ends up in your lap as opposed to the network? Because I've you've told me off script off air about some people you fought for that you didn't get but is there anybody where you were like that was a surprise to me what a fucking great surprise that was i'm trying to think i mean i don't know if there was any great surprises because usually i mean i have fought for people in the past and then uh and lost uh, unfortunately but I can't think of anybody that was really jammed down my throat you know um where i was like no 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 like everybody Usually, if they don't want somebody I want, usually we can find somebody that we agree on. Right. So I don't know if I've had any shocking things like How that. How did you find Ethan Suple? Well, Ethan was, you know, I'll tell that first by saying how I found Jason, which was interesting because he, I wanted him to, re him to read the script and he didn't want to read it. He didn't want to do TV. And then ultimately we got him to read it and he came in for a meeting. And we had a great meeting. It was me and him and the director. And we left that meeting thinking, oh, he's going to he's going to do it, you know, and he said he's going to do it. So they tried to make his deal all week. And then it was like Friday night and they told me, go to bed. We just got to figure out the deal. It's going to be fine. Woke up Saturday morning. They said, he's out. He doesn't want to do it. He's not going to do TV. Who'd you have? Did you have a second choice? No, I had met with everybody under the sun. I mean, everybody from like Stephen Baldwin to, to, to uh, Chris Penn to Luke Perry. Everybody in the world was coming in to read for this thing. Right. We'd, we'd, we'd been like at it for two months. I thought we finally had cracked the code. Um, and so I was bummed out, and then I was talking to his manager, Gay Rabisi, who's Giovanni Rabisi's mother, and she said, I don't know what to tell you, I'm bummed out. So the next morning, I woke up and I took my son, who was five at the time, to the Santa Monica Art Festival, and I see Giovanni Rabisi, and I'm like, well, that's weird. So I'm like, I didn't want to bother him, but I thought this is so weird. I was talking to his mother, and I said, hey, um, it's nice to uh, it's nice to meet you. I'm a fan, but also I was talking to your mother yesterday, and he goes, "Oh, my mother's right here. You should say hi." So I say hi to her, and then she said, "Oh, this is my daughter, and this is her husband Beck." And I'm like, "Oh, hello, Beck." <laughs> I'm like, "This is shaping up to be quite strange." Quite an afternoon at the Big E. And I said, "Well, I'm here with my son." She goes, "Jason was going to come with us, but he's so messed up in his head about this TV thing and not doing it, and he didn't come." I said, "Okay." Then I went with my son to go see Urkel play basketball in a show league. What? In a show business league. He he specifically requested to see Urkel play basketball? No, because Jaleel and I are friends, ah, and yeah, yeah. I knew he was playing in this league, so I went down there to watch him because I knew I was going to be in Santa Monica. And then I get a call, and it's Gay Rabisi, and she says, I just talked to Jason. He can't believe you were at the art thing. He thinks it's fate, and he'll do the show. That was the reason he decided to do the show? Yeah, so I said to her, I said, he should call me tomorrow because I don't want him to do the show because I went to the art because that's crazy <laughs> so as much as i'd like him in the show that yeah, seems like a bad idea because it seems like he could be like oh i went into 7-eleven instead of the quickie mart i'm not doing the show anymore. yeah exactly seems like, like he's happy yeah, yeah 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 so we we met and then uh he it made sense he was just like no no he goes that got me thinking about it but he said listen i want to do all different things as an actor and i want to do tv and if I'm going to do TV, I love this, and so let's do this. So then, so he was on board, and then... Did you already have Jamie at that point? We had nobody. It was like, you got to get Earl before you get the rest of the cast. So that was it. So then, I don't know wh at what point we got Jamie. I mean, she just came into my office and started reading it. It was like, forget it. Everybody else go home. By the way, she was so good in that. Like, Ridiculous. so good in that. Ridiculous. And then... 
Ethan was friends with Jason. They've yes. known each other since they were 14. So uh, he came in. He didn't really want to audition because he's, he just says it makes him nervous and he's not great at audition. We ended up putting him on tape, and then we showed the tape to the network, and he got the part. But that's the thing. Like, like look, chemistry of the cast together. Look, the, Obviously, the words are super important. But if the people on the screen don't have chemistry while they're doing it, you're fucked. Yes. No, and that was such a bonus. I mean, here's two guys that like they're at craft service and they're messing with each yes. other and throwing food at each other and they've known each other until they're 14. And then they're on screen playing brothers and doing the same thing. And it just comes so naturally to them. I mean, it's I would imagine it's like hiring a couple to play an actual couple on TV. Uh, yeah, because look, I always go back to there have been a ton of scripts that I've read. Where I'm like, this is fucking funny. And then you see it on the screen, and you're like, that is not funny at all. Yeah. And to me, it, it just has to do with the two people saying it to each other. No question. And a lot of times, those characters come in, and they do stuff that you wouldn't expect in your head, and it's so much better than even what you thought. So what do you many, mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm saying, like, you have, a, you have a way you wrote a joke, and you're like, you know in your head how that's supposed to sound, because that's why you put it on paper. And then someone says it differently, and a lot of times, you're like, holy shit, that's... That's that's amazing. I didn't know you were gonna say it like that, and it's like a, it's like a, almost a different meaning to it. How much play do you give, and does does it depend on the actor? How much play do you give the actor with your script? Do you go say it for me one time the way I wrote it, and then you can say it one time the way you want? Yeah, I mean, usually there's an understanding that we work really hard on the scripts and we like to hear the words the way we wrote them. And for the most part, I've always had a very great relationship with the actors and they understand that and they like they like the words. Now, sometimes they'll come to me before the scene and go, this seems weird. And, and I'm like, yeah, that is weird. And I can either convince them why it's supposed to be like that or I see their point and we change it. Or if we don't see eye to eye, yeah, I'll say, okay, listen, I, do it this way and then let's do it your way. And they know at least if they don't know right off the bat, they know after doing that a few times that if I get to editing and their way's better, then we put their way in. So no ego for you? No, I don't care. I, you know, the editor's a huge resource for me because I say to the editor, put what you think is best in. So whenever I get my first cut, I already know what they thought. And so then we'll sometimes sit in the room and I'll say, okay, well, show me the other ones and we'll have a discussion. And no, I don't, at the end of the day, it's just whatever's the best thing on the screen. I don't care. Dude, your, your Emmy speech was epic. That was fun. Anybody who's listening to this who has not heard your Emmy speech, here's, it's another reason why, look, in a town where people take themselves entirely too seriously, you may not take yourself seriously enough. <laughs> like you, you really. That was a fun night. I, you know, someone was asking me the other day what my like. Uh, I had this meeting with this comedian, uh, funny guy, and he and he he was like, uh, his name's funny guy. His name's funny guy. It's a great name for a comedy. I mean, you know, it's just right there on. <laughs> maybe the a little billboard. too on the nose. I'm just gonna say, funny guy, maybe a little too on the nose. He delivers, Josh. <laughs> um, so. He was asking me like, "What was the what? What am I most proud of, or something?" And I go, "That speech was the best yeah. thing ever because I'm not usually in front of the camera, so I write things and other people get laughs. And and even so much like I love like traveling with Jason when we were doing My Name Is Earl and just being in airports and stuff. And you see like people going nuts. I don't get that kind of feedback, and that's like really cool. So that was the first time where I was in front of an audience." on TV and in front of all my peers. And I knew, I was like, if I win this thing, I think I got a pretty good speech. Like, I think this would be good. And when I started getting laughs, I get like a little smirk on my face. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is nice. I mean, I see why you guys do it. This was, this it's was very cool. And then the coolest part is I walked off stage and Conan O'Brien, who was hosting, was standing there and he goes, how the fuck am I supposed to follow that? <laughs> And, and you so, said, you're not. Give me, give me the mic. It's over for so you. No, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. But don't you have fun? You do. You've done. You've been on your own shows. And you have Wilfred and a couple of characters yeah, yeah, you yeah, play. Yeah. So it's not like you don't like doing it. Did no, you, no, I like it. Did you have it. fun coming on my show? I had a great time coming on your show. That did, was a lot of fun. Did you get fun. any good feedback? I did. People people liked it. It was fun. Uh, I, I, uh, my wife gave me a lot of uh, crap about my beard. 
listen, your beard and anybody it was insane who, at what, that point. What article is that? Is that Deadline? Oh, Deadline did a story on me today, and they had a picture, and I didn't like it, so I sent him a picture of me that I made him put in. It's ridiculous. He looks like a homeless dude who talks about helicopters. Oh, <laughs> did you see that helicopter? <laughs> like, like you would be twiddling your thumbs a lot. Like I looked at that picture, like what? You sent me the article. I was like, dude, this is like. I know. But that's the part. Like you don't take yourself seriously. No. What's the point? You gotta have fun. You gotta have a good time. Are you, but, <laughs> but there's no, like you're, you understand your perspective. Look, I don't know how to talk. You were, you created hope. Yeah. And I was on your set when you were running it. And I was on your set, that set when you weren't. Yeah. When you're on a set and I've always, and I kind of took this from you when I was on mine. Like, it's all trickle down. Yeah. The attitude on oh, that set is all trickle down. Absolutely. But I watched you talk to people like actors, and the reason I asked you about the line is that you're firm but giving. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm very specific about what I want. I'm very controlling. I, I, you know, and that's no secret to anybody that I've ever worked with. I have a vision, but I also will listen to all yeah. the ideas. But if I, if everyone's against me and I feel like it needs to be a certain way, that's the way we're going to do it. And you know, it's just because I have to trust myself and I want to go to bed at night knowing that I did it the way I thought it should be, either, you know, sink or swim. And I think part of running a show also is part of it is you're hosting a party. I mean, you're, you're people are looking to you to set the tone to how to behave, you know, mm -hmm. um, how to treat other people. Um, you know, if you come in there and I've noticed if I come in there and I'm like stressed out and I'm worried about something, that's the way kind of people act. And you come in there and you're laughing and making jokes. And like on Earl, when I would dress up as Wilfred and I would refuse to get at break character and I would wear the wig and the mustache. So good. And I would just go in and just I would. And plus, it was a great release for me from the stress of running the show. I would I would refuse to break character and Wilfred would come down and he would fuck with people. Will you explain crew. to people what Wilfred was like. All right, so Wilfred was I just decided I was going to put myself on the show and I would wear a wig and a, and a mustache. And I think I played Tim Stack's agent. Yes. And and Wilford would just come in and and he's you know he'd be like, all right guys, how y'all doing, man? This is the best goddamn crew in the in the world, man. I love coming here, and 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 people would just have fun with it. One day I was working, I was directing an episode, as Wilford. No, I was directing as as myself. Oh. Although Wilford should have directed, a couple. <laughs> but I was directing by myself. And uh, Geraldo Rivera was in the episode. But you had some great guest stars on that show. Oh, we had so many great guest stars. We were so lucky that people wanted to do the show, and it was fun. And we, we were doing this one bizarre episode, and Geraldo Rivera was like in the episode. And I told him I knew I had a scene with Wilford coming up next, and I said, "Listen, there's a guy coming in uh, who's going to direct because I got to run out for uh, an hour for a meeting." And he goes, okay. So then I went to the makeup trailer and I got in Wilford stuff. And I come out and, and Geraldo's at craft service and I yell over and I'm like, Geraldo, hey man, hey, we're in a scene together coming up, buddy, can't wait. And he kind of just waves to me like, what the fuck? And so we sit down and I sit down across <laughs> from him in the scene at a table and he goes, how you doing? And I go, give me a second, Geraldo, give me a second here, man. I uh, lost a fish this morning and I'm a little upset. <laughs> and he goes, oh, okay. He goes, uh, I'm sorry, was it a, uh, was it a koi? And I go, fucking koi, man. I'm, what am I, Geraldo Rivera? It was a goddamn goldfish. I can't afford a goddamn koi, man. Just give me a second, all right? So he says, okay, fine. And I kept kind of messing with him. And then I left, and I came back and directed the rest of the episode. And he had no He idea. never knew? Did he the ever mention Wilford next, to you? The next morning, he came up to me at craft service, and he had been in the makeup trailer telling them about the weird guy that he had to do a scene with, and they told him. And so he comes up, comes up to me at craft service the next morning. He goes, you son of a bitch. Hilarious. Yeah. Did that I mean you listen the guest stars you had on that show were amazing but who was the dude that sang did he write on your staff and you only had him on the show and he would sing oh Dan Casino yeah yeah Dan Casino was great he was he was But a you PA. populated your shows with bizarre fucking people the daytime hooker is my favorite character out of any uh, Dale Dickey is so amazing yeah we had a lot of fun in fact it was funny cuz we had this one we had like the one of the first episodes in the first batch. We had this guy who was like he had no he had one arm and no legs, and he had these like metal legs. And we did a thing where he dated the one-legged girl we had on the show, and he like chased Earl down the road. I remember that. In yeah, the, in the metal things with the metal things, and the kid one of my favorite gotten, scenes ever. He had gotten hit by a train, 
And that's what happened to him. And the director, at one point I told the director, I said, he's not coming out fast enough. Tell him to come out faster. That's me. I want a guy yeah. with no legs to come out faster because it'll be funnier. And the director went up and said, you got to come out like a freight train. You know what I'm talking about? And the guy's like, uh, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and the director came back and I go, you know he got hit by a train, right? And he was like, oh, shit. He told the guy who lost his legs to a train to come out like a train? Swear to God. Oh. It was fantastic. So, um, yeah, so so the, Dan, Casino was a, Dan Casino was a production assistant who would always, like, sing Prince to us and stuff in the office. And then, yeah, you're just sitting around late at night, and you're like, put Dan in the thing. And they're like, and then they said, the wardrobe came and said, what do you want Dan Casino uh, to wear in the show? And I said, I want him to wear a white T-shirt that says, with black letters, Dan Casino. That is what he wore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why yeah. that dude listen uh, it, the Dan Casino like and I was on an episode where he and all you did was have him sing yeah and, yeah he would sing yeah he would sing a lot he yeah would sing a lot but music was a big part of Earl the, the yeah they gave us a great music budget I mean right off the bat they decided that they were gonna like give us a real healthy music budget and they let us really just like write episodes and kind of drive to songs like i would have songs in mind i'm like i know i want earl doing x on, under this song let's get to that point you know and it was powerful it was good you know music is you know if you can throw a rolling stone song into okay, the yeah. end of an episode you know it's really really you know dramatic all right somebody wanted me to ask you any chance you ever do an earl movie yeah i've gotten asked that a few times you know 20th century fox owns earl um I would uh, I would certainly be up for it. It would be a lot of fun. Um, uh, the process of running around and trying to sell a movie seems uh, it's a little different. It's different. It's uh, it's time consuming, and I'm usually doing stuff. I I'd be open to it, but um, I think what also what people in this outside of the town don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you walk into a room to sell a TV show, you have a ton of cachet. If you walk into a room to sell a movie, it doesn't translate. No, not so much. You're no. ba it, literally the crazy thing is you would think that this guy with that track record could walk into it and go, "Oh, he can write." But the the movie people don't give a fuck about what the TV people are writing. No, and also it comes down to, you know, it's it's there's not a lot of unknowns. They know what it is and then they have to do the numbers and see is this going to translate into money for us you know well they and made a man from uncle that was from the fucking 20s i think they could figure it did out they make money with that i don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so that might be yeah i, I know the reason they don't do this i don't know i so. think it, i think it would be a ton of fun and uh and, and a lot of fun to write um but i'm kind of in the position where somebody needs to just knock on my door and go hey you want to do this and then i'd be like yeah let's do it well and i got one more oral question for you and then we're going to move on somebody also wanted me to ask you out of the people on the cast, yeah, and I'm gonna see if I can f translate this question. Was there anybody who consistently delivered lines that you didn't think were gonna be funny, in a funny way? Do you know what I mean? Where that wasn't written funny, but you were when they said it, they were like, oh, "That's that." I don't know that that was that's supposed to be funny. You know, I would say, and let me just preface this by saying that cast was amazing, amazing, and they always delivered yes. every single one of them. But for that specific question, I would probably say Ethan Suplee because. And by the way, I don't really, as I'm sitting right here, know if it's Ethan Suplee or Ethan Suplee. And he's told me a million times. I thought it was Suplee. I know. So who knows? Fuck. I have always said it wrong. I introduced him at a table read not long ago. I think I got it wrong again. There's something wrong with my brain. But I, I would it was say. Suplee. Not? I don't know. Maybe. Will you, Aaron, will you. On Wikipedia. Wikipedia, please. Because uh, every, everything on Wikipedia is true. Because they said. How would was, you know on Wikipedia? Because of the lines over something? I think phonetic. You know, what are those two dots? The umklaut? What I is that? An umlaut? Yeah. Umsnot? What is it? The I don't two know. dots? The two dots? Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know the two dots over the yeah, over the U yeah, or the O? Okay. From a, It's like in every single uh, Slayer song. There's those Yeah, umklaut? that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, so I would say Ethan because Ethan would always, you know, he, he would end up taking... Uh, like a different angle at things sometimes and surprise you more than other people where other people would just really deliver the line perfectly. And, you know, not unlike Garrett Dillahunt on Raising Hope where you thought you wrote a straight line and you did not write a straight line. But that leads me perfectly into the next question. If somebody asked, because look, all I knew from Garrett Dillahunt was 
the Jesse James movie where I was like, this dude is an amazing actor. Insane. An amazing actor. Yeah. Well, how do you think to call him in for a comedy? I don't even think to call him in. And the truth is he did comedy before he did the crazier stuff. He was on Is Norm, that true? He was on Norm MacDonald's uh, four-camera sitcom. Uh, and he was, uh, I think there was an... Uh, so he wasn't on your list of people to call in? I didn't. I had watched Deadwood, yep. and I was a fan, but I didn't know his name. And so, and then he's such a chameleon. He comes in yeah. to, to, he came in an audition. I think he might have been in New York and he went on tape and I watched it and I was like, this dude's amazing. Like, he's the guy. There's no question about it. And then later I had to like look and go, oh shit, that's the guy from Deadwood who played two different roles in Deadwood, by the way. Dude, the Jesse James, the role he played in Jesse James was like, he played such a simpleton. But it was there were so many layers to him. I was like, this dude is fucking crazy. And then when I had heard that you cast him, I was like, I had only seen him in those serious. I was like, well, Garcia fucking sucked the dick on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the first time he's ever chosen wrong, and it was so spot on. Oh, because in your head, and I'm sure other people auditioned for the role. In your head, can you tell me who you pictured when you wrote it? I think in my head, you know what? I might have pictured Rappaport because I think I picture Rappaport a lot yeah, he's funny. when I'm writing stuff. In fact, there was a time where Rappaport was going to be Earl, um, but it was way before... Uh, Michael forget, Rappaport, everybody. Yeah, Michael Rappaport. Sorry, Michael Rappaport. Um, so I might have pictured Michael Rappaport as, uh, as the father in this because um, he cracks me up. But um, yeah, Garrett came in and just killed it. And I think, you know, I think Garrett is always the best in anything he does he's always the best part of it so to me that combo again when you're just talking chemistry him and martha great you just believe them as a couple since oh, high school what you believed here's what i loved about it is that there was something about them you know the shorthand that people have been together for a long time have they seem to automatically have that as a couple yeah like i believed that those two had known each other for that long and had been in love, and and to the to the point of marriage where it was like, yeah, I love you, but I'm I don't you know, yeah, I don't have to see you every day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that was so it felt so real to me. But they had it right away. Yeah, and they and they got along great on set always. And and I think again, when there's a connection there, then that connection carries over to the screen. And they still hang out. They sent me a picture of the two of them hanging out actually this past weekend. I'm having dinner with Garrett on Thursday. Um, I, and I think it's high time that Garrett is the lead of his own show. Dude, he is so ridiculously... F and I was... as some, Look, there's a difference between um, me delivering a punchline on stage as a stand-up and then going to your set and delivering a punchline. But I wasn't... Because my instinct as a comic for TV is to deliver the punchline. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To get up there. But what I... From watching Jason and Garrett, those guys... Just said your words. I mean, they obviously are good actors. Yeah. But they didn't deliver the punchline. I think, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I also think that, like, uh, you know, when you're on stage, there's a there's a tendency, I mean, depending on who you are and what your act is, to lean into a joke. Yes. And, and it's stuff that's very honed and you've done a bunch of times and you know it's going to work and you have that confidence to lean into it. And I tell a lot of actors sometimes, especially when we're doing stuff on a weekly basis and it's all new stuff, I rather them lean back and do a joke because if it doesn't land, at least you're not falling on your face. You know. <laughs> you said something to me, and uh, I don't know if you remember this. There we were. There was one. Look, my character on Earl died, and there was a. Um, I died in a Murphy bed, which was a great way to go. He did. Uh, <laughs> that was fun. That was a great way to go. But there was one uh, episode where I had a lot of lines, and there were some things that I was just curious. I was like, I don't know how to do it. And I asked you, I was like, should I say it like this or say it like this? And you said, just say the words. And I said, no, no, but when I say to you, you were like, just say the words. Just say the words. It's going to be fine. Yeah. And well, that was also, I, I, you know, and I think sometimes I say that, too, because I don't want to get anybody's in anybody's head too much before we do it. Because I'll always walk over and go, eh, listen, hit this word a little bit more. Yeah. Or I'm not shy. I'll give a line reading, which won't be a great performance, but you'll kind of get the gist of it. And I have some actors I've worked with that do not like line yeah, reading. Yeah, a lot don't. Why? You know, I think it's it's... Can you explain to people what a line reading is? A line is? reading would be like if I just come up to you and I do, like if you're supposed to say, uh, you know, all things comedy. Right. And I go up and go, you know, say all things comedy. Right. You know, and I'm doing it for you and then I want you to mimic me. And I think part of it, 
look, there's ego there that you don't want to be told how to do the line. But I think more importantly, the, the, the actors that don't like it, like Michael Malley didn't love it. And it wasn't a place of ego at all. What he explained to me is like, if you give me a line reading, then it doesn't, especially if you do it right off the bat, mm-hmm. it doesn't give me time to interpret it and still put my spin on it. I don't want to just mimic you. Um, and so what would happen with Mike sometimes is I'd try to, and I'm not the most articulate guy when it comes to giving a note, and that's why I usually fall back on a line reading. So I'll try to explain what I want, and then sometimes that'll work. But if with Mike, if I've done explained it three times, he'll just go, just do it, just do it. Really? You know, at that point, it's like, fuck it, just do it, just do it. And then I'll do it, and then and then, then we'll move on. Um, but what, I've Do had... you feel like it was harder? Because right now you have, like I said, you have a certain amount of cachet. So if you walk up to an actor and say, this is the line reading I want. Do you think it was harder because Mike was on Yes, Dear, and you were still kind of new? Oh, sure. Was I it... think there's probably more trust now than there was in the past, and maybe there's a little bit more like, uh, I don't want to... I mean, who knows? I mean, you you could give someone a line reading, and you could feel like they're completely fine with it. They may go home to their family and go, this fucking guy's giving me line readings, and they're pissed off about it. Yeah. I don't know. At the end of the day, I just you don't care. I just want, want, well, I just want <laughs> a good show. <laughs> yeah. Just want them to yeah, say it. Yeah, yeah. Say it the right way. But at the same time, you never want to do it in the beginning because, like I said earlier, somebody could do it completely unexpected, and it's better than what you thought. So I don't want to start off telling them how to say it. Okay, you're writing a on a completely jump. You're writing a musical. Yeah. Speaking of Mike O'Malley. Yeah. Yeah, that was a weird thing. Like Mike called me probably about a year and a half ago. And he called me and he said, uh, hey, you want to write a Broadway musical? Which is right up your alley. And I go, what? Yeah. (laughs) I go, what the fuck are you talking about? He says, listen, here's the deal. He goes, it's it's all set. Like the producers, the money's there, which is a hard thing to get, you know, with Broadway. And um, the, uh, the, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, we have all the music. I go, how do we have all the music? He says, it's Jimmy Buffett's music. We're just doing, we're writing a musical, like a jukebox musical, but with all of Jimmy Buffett's music, and he'll write like a couple uh, original songs. So I was like, yeah, I love Jimmy Buffett. I like working with you, and I guess Buffett was an Earl fan, and Mike had worked with him in the past, and that's how it all came together. So, yeah, we wrote it, and um, we've been working with a director down in La Jolla, and uh, I guess they're going to do press about it sometime. But uh, I've mentioned it before anyway, so is it that crazy? Me. Is that I mean, I mean, how much different was that? At the end of the day, is it still basically the same process? Yeah, you're telling a story and you're trying to make it funny. The difference is like. You can't just write any story you want. I mean, the, the songs, we're not doing, like, Jersey Boys is a musical. It's about Jersey Boys. So they can just go, and then we came up with this song, right. and then sing the song. We're telling an actual story and trying to shoehorn Buffett's songs into the story. So the way I did it was I listened to all the songs I knew they'd want to put in, probably about 20, 25 songs, and I started creating characters based on the songs. Then I started to create story turns that would make sense for those people to sing those songs in those moments. Sometimes we just use the chorus. Sometimes we use just a little bit of verse. Jimmy's given me permission to kind of change some words now and then in to make songs? it make sense in songs to Stop make Stop it. Yeah, I mean not like not like anything too so Margar- Margaritaville is like Thomasville or it's gin and tonicville now. <laughs> um, but I think it works better. Um, like you don't want to change too much because I know I like it was gin and juiceville. Yeah, like I went to see Cat Stevens recently, and he was singing another Saturday night. Wait, as Cat Stevens, what's his name now? Yusuf Islam, but I think he was still billed as Cat Stevens. I bet she sells more the... tickets as Cat Stevens yeah, than he yeah, does. Yeah. His... I bet you yeah. Yusuf Islam doesn't, less, <laughs> doesn't yeah. sell as many There's seats. Less metal detectors. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I went to see him, which was great because I like Cat Stevens, but like he sang uh, Another Saturday Night and he changed the words because like he's married now and he didn't want to talk about trying to get laid. So he changed it all about how he's trying to get a job. And I was no. like, I don't, you know. So I'm very conscious of I don't want to change it too much. But um, you can't do it. It's like going to see Motley crew and if they change girls 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 to like preschool 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 yeah, yeah. or even just ladies ladies yeah, ladies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh so anyway we, you know so so we wrote it and um we're doing like this big table read in december and then uh you know i've noticed that things move kind of slow in the broadway world but it seems like it's starting to pick up now and we'll see what happens with it i don't know okay i haven't given the number out yet oh shit where if this flew by it's already 5 30 all right. That's how quickly that happened. So 323-282-7424. This is the very first episode of Fairly Normal. You've been listening to Josh Wolf. This is Greg Garcia. 
Um, you can call in. I apologize uh, if you have been listening and have not been calling in. Um, the feed isn't working. Can't find the show. It says channels offline. What's up? Okay. That oh, person up? is just not bright. It, now they're up. Now they're up. Let me see if I got sweet stream. Okay. Uh, let me see if there's any questions on here. Okay. Man, I don't know. Some of these questions he can't answer because he still has to work in this business. What are the questions? I'll dance around them. Is there any actor or actress that you would not work with again? Before you answer that, we have a phone call. All right, let's do the phone call. I know the answer to that, but I don't know if you can say it. Hey, this is Josh. You're on with Josh and Greg Garcia. What's going on? Hey, guys. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you? What's your name? This is Justin. Hey, what's up, Justin? How are you? Justin. Hey, guys. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing very well, man. Good. You got anything you want to ask Greg? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I was a huge Raising Hope fan. Uh, is there any opportunity that, that you see in the future uh, to bring that back as a limited series, kind of the way that X-Files is, is doing? I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it's a show that kind of fizzled out towards the end. So the idea of, like, getting people real excited about it uh, to do that would be tough. I mean, not unlike an Earl movie, it'd be something I'd jump right back into and, and, and have a lot of fun doing. Um, certainly, you know, with Netflix and stuff, they're doing like Fuller House. And, yeah. and, and so, you know, who knows yeah. if that takes off, you never know if, uh, all of a sudden there's this market to kind of bring back casts and do like limited, uh, things would be great. I mean, I think for any show, I mean, I think even like, you know, I was laughing the other day, even doing like a yes dear, like coming up on it now and just doing like a really edgy version of it, uh, would be, uh, would be funny. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, you never know. What is it you liked about Hope so much, Justin? Was it you like the you like the you know, characters, or what do you like that? No, to, to be honest with you, I mean the the very first episode was so bizarre in how <laughs> it was set up. I was like, how are they going to get a show out of this? And it intrigued me to come back and and watch the second episode. And the second episode was so different that it made me fall in love with these characters. Plus, I I really love Martha Plimpton. Uh, how I mean, amazing. It, yeah, she's so good. And to be honest with you, she is so political and she's not afraid about it. I think a lot of people in, in Hollywood are afraid to put their opinions and their views out there. She is who she is. Oh, she she's is not. Af- she, oh, no, she is not afraid no, of that at all. No, 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 no. I've been no. reading her Twitter lately. She she's uh, she welcomes it. She yeah. welcomes it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it, it was just a feel good. I mean, you watch that show to feel good about life. And I live in Illinois, so I'm middle America and. That just that that was the sweet spot for me. Well, you oh, know, cool. I love that. You, you know what's Thanks, interesting, and, and Justin, this, uh, Hope had it too, and so did Earl. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, there was that last two sentences of your show that had a moral and heart. Yeah, I last, liked, yeah, right? we and we wouldn't do it every week. I mean, sometimes we'd have episodes, and I'm like, we're just we're jamming this in here. Right. Let's just go out on jokes or whatever, but. Yeah, for me, if I can make you laugh, somebody told me once, they said, your shows are funny, but you know what? After I watch them, I feel good. And I, that meant a lot to me. And, 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 you know, if I can have that moment, I like it. And I think maybe it was a little bit completely different shows, but when I came up in the Miller Boyette camp of Family Matters and all their shows, yeah. they would have that, what they would call their violin moment at the end of the show. And it was done a different way, but it was still a structure where you're laughing, you're laughing, and then there's a... There's a nice thing. And if you can do that organically and in a way that people don't think it's cheesy or anything, um, I think that's worthwhile. Yeah, I agree. Hey, Justin, thank yeah, you for was, calling, it was, man. It was the hug at the end of the episode. Yeah, the nice. Everybody felt that hug, right? Yeah. yeah man, for sure. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. <laughs> All right. Thanks for calling, Justin. Thanks, guys. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. You know what's funny, dude, is that, and I also, listen, I, I remember... Uh, certain things that you say because you are a successful dude um, who and I respect the not only the way that you've gotten your success the, not only have you never wavered of what you like to do but you've stayed like a humble good dude but I remember that yes dear pilot episode yeah there was that one scene with the baby in the casino yeah and you were like this scene is going to sell the show 
Yeah, the baby walking on water was the. That's the only thing that the the show tested mediocre, and then at the end, this baby walked on water because of the the thing they did with the video, and that spiked through the roof, and that's the only reason the show got on the air, which is crazy because like one joke got that show on the air. But it goes. It's what a great lesson is: make people laugh. Yeah, make people laugh, and there that's gonna be okay. The question about is there one person that you would not. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to answer. I know you can't. But I'll tell you this story about yesterday and the baby walking, which is funny. Okay. We were in the casino and we were shooting where the baby walks and we have twins and the baby won't, the baby's supposed to walk like two steps and fall down. Well, the baby just learned how to walk and I'm thinking it'll walk and it'll fall down, but it's walking, it's walking, it's walking, it's not falling down. It's not falling down. My God, Jesus. And we're shooting and shooting and shooting. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And I said, Hey, listen, uh. What if we tied a little bit of like uh, fishing wire to the back of the kid's belt loop and gave it just a little tug? And, his butt. <laughs> and everybody looked at me like I was crazy, but I like, I have kids. I have kids. They fall on their butts all day long. Yeah. Like, what's the big deal? So they go, No, you're crazy. You can't do that. And so I said, uh, All right, all right. And then we kept shooting and kept shooting, kept shooting. I go, Hold on. I'm going to talk to the social worker. So I said, Hey, listen, could we tie a little. He says, I don't know. He says, let's talk to the mom. And we talk to the mom. And the mom says, yeah, they fall on their butts all the time. What's the big deal? So sure enough, we uh, we tie the kid's belt loop to the fishing That's wire there. Hilarious. And I got the prop guy, like, standing off camera, getting ready to go. Why the prop guy is the one that's in charge of tugging the baby, I have no idea. The baby gets up and starts to walk towards the stool. We're not even rolling. The guy panics, pulls it. The kid goes forward instead of backwards and cracks his head on the stool. Starts screaming, screaming bloody murder. The mom goes in and picks it up. The whole soundstage is just quiet. Everybody in the whole place is looking at me, judging me. And the kid cries, and I leaned over to Alan Kirschenbaum and I said, all right, let's tie the other one up and give it another try. <laughs> Which they would not do. So we actually end up just reversing. We we just had the kids sit down and stand up, and then we reversed the film. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, oh, we have another one? That's a great... The face that you tied up a baby is pretty amazing. You got to get the job done. Hey, you're on with uh, Josh and Greg. Welcome to Fairly Normal. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, my name is Carrie, and I'm calling from Orlando, Florida. What's happening, Carrie? How are you? Uh, I'm great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing very doing well. Doing good. You got a question for Greg? Yeah. Uh, what was it like working with uh, Will Arnett on The Millers? Uh, Will's awesome. Will, uh, you know, I had known Will through a friend, actually through Mike O'Malley. Keep talking about him. And uh, I saw that Will's show was... Um, going to be uh canceled it looked i read in the trades that that uh, up all night wasn't looking good so i texted him and i said will you you know will you come look at this pilot and um i'd always liked will and been a fan and um he was great i mean you know it was we both hadn't done multicam in a while um and that show was you know kind of you know right out of the gate was 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 pretty good successful you know in the ratings and then they moved it around and and then uh, we kind of got unexpectedly canceled too but working with Will was fantastic and he was one of the things Will said to me that was so funny is we got canceled um like on a Friday and they said that you know we could shoot the last episode if we wanted to and so I talked to Will and I said you know what do you think the crew gets paid and he's like yeah let's just do it let's just have fun you know so there we are Monday and we're after the weekend and everybody had written about the show being canceled and he goes you know all weekend long all I read was like Will Arnett show killer Will Arnett show killer it's like, you know, obviously after my first show got canceled, they didn't write that. But as soon as the second one got canceled, they wrote Will Arnett Show, show Killer. And when the third one got canceled, they wrote Will Arnett Show Killer. And the fourth show got canceled, <laughs> Will Arnett Show Killer. He goes, you know, there's other components here. There's other actors. There's writing. You know, there's all kinds of things. There's time slots. He goes, but I got to tell you, with this one, finally, they might be on to something. <laughs> And so I, you know, I just love that about Will because he's he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's absolutely hilarious. He's a pro on set. Um, I loved him. I, I just absolutely loved the experience. Was he? What did you ever let him go? Is he a good improv guy? 
Yeah, he wouldn't so much improv as much as like he would come over and pitch jokes and we'd do them, you know. He wouldn't like just on the fly just start saying things. He'd always come check with me first or not even check with me as much as just like pitch or he might have like half, he might be halfway there with a new joke and then we'll talk through it together and come up with something we both like. And so it was very collaborative and he'd come up to my office and talk about certain scenes and we'd, we'd talk through it together. So yeah, he's he's a funny guy. He's a good writer. So um, you, are you more open to that process, like a collaborative rather than somebody improvising? Are you more open to somebody coming before the scene and going, I want to try? I'd rather do that because then we can just get on the same page because sometimes people think something's funny and it is, but it might undermine their character. It might hurt the story in a certain way, you know, just because sometimes you can get a laugh, but it kind of takes takes over the scene or, or makes it seem weird, you know, so I'd like to be uh, to be able to talk to them about that. Awesome. Uh, any other questions for uh, Greg? Uh, nope, that was it. But uh, Josh, yes. big fan of yours. Been listening to you since Josh and Ross. Uh, thank Just you. Just want to say keep up the good work, man. You are funny as shit. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for calling in. Absolutely. Have a great night, guys. All right. Bye. Take care. Um, what and I know because we both have street parking, we don't want to get towed. Oh, yeah, that's right. What? Uh, that's the big thing at the All Things Comedy. We could find that, a hotel that, room around here how and big just a, hunker down. That's how big a star as we are. <laughs> street parking. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Is there anything that you haven't done? That was an, another question that I got a bunch of times online. Anything you haven't done that you want to do? You know, you and I... Yeah, a couple of years ago, you and I went out to dinner and we brought our wives and you you asked my wife who writes scripts, movie yeah. scripts, a bunch of questions just about that process. Yeah. Is that something because that you that is that something you want to do or you I mean, I'd love to do a movie someday. I mean, I've been so spoiled in the sense that when you're a writer of TV and you create shows, you get the final say on everything. And so I've directed a bunch of single camera comedies. Um, and so I think ultimately, if I ever did write a movie, I'd like to also direct it because I'd like to see it all the way through. Right. If somebody would let me do that. I haven't really gotten around to trying it because I've usually been working in tv so i haven't had time um so ultimately that wouldn't that would be something i wouldn't mind checking off at some point um also there's a book that of short stories that i've been working Dude, on a long time that you that you is that the one you sent to me yeah that is so fucking funny yeah it's just kind of twisted stories is it can you tell people kind of what it is yeah i don't care i mean was somebody gonna rip it off great yeah. if they do a good job i'll read it and enjoy it <laughs> it's just that i used to go to guest house like uh rental like vacation houses to write um just to get away and be in a quiet spot and kind of force myself to get something done and sometimes i get writer's block so they would have like a guest book there that people would sign and go we had a great time by the way the dishwasher's not working and whatever yeah. and i would write like a long fucked up bizarre story of something weird that happened in the house so can you give a brief example well like one time like this older couple rented the house and had their family up and their son was uh his, their son's fiance was an atheist and they were very religious so they drugged the woman in the middle of the night and uh baptized her in the hot tub um stuff like that like or <laughs> meth, meth heads that meth heads that broke into the house just so you know this is things that you're leaving in so the i leave book. them yeah so i yeah. write it all and leave it for the next people to read yeah like i have like people get in fights and stick a fork in someone's eye so i picture like the next people are reading it going don't eat the fork don't <laughs> yeah. use the fork so yeah, some of the stories are so fucking funny yeah they're fun and they're just and it was also just a fun way to just write stuff that i can't put on network tv that's just bizarre so i've made a collection of those i've even like i've tried to even sell it as a tv show like an anthology tv show but i haven't had much luck with that but um so i'd love to publish that at some point because that was uh that was fun to write yeah and i'm a you know i just don't know if you know this i'm a new york times i know best selling i know you're gonna have to give me some tips well i mean i would love to uh <laughs> Tip number one, smoke a bunch of weed. Okay. Okay. All right. That's it. That's all I got. Oh, okay. <laughs> seems like- Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's my tip number one. Seems pretty easy. I actually, you know, somebody asked me this weekend, and I was on this, um, interesting, as a comic man, you know, sometimes sometimes I come back from weekends, it's, uh, it's hard sometimes not to burn, like this weekend was not a, ticket wise, yeah. was my worst in- Eight years. Okay. So it's like a, you go, you come home kind of licking your wounds yeah. and wondering. It's really hard to fucking 
It's tough when you get knocked down to get back up. Yes. But th- here's my – look, you always see – even though you seem to get up and end up on TV, but, like, one of the most important, like, in this business in general is that word no or all that shit doesn't seem to – and maybe it does and you handle it well, but it doesn't seem to affect you well, as Well, it much- affects me. I try to make it affect me in a positive way. I've I've never done anything that's been any good that I wasn't angry at somebody for turning something down. And I use that anger to fuel me to do the next thing. Like, yes, dear, I think stayed on the air for six years because the critics shit all over it. Mm-hmm. And I'd wake up every morning and go, yeah, you know what? You're going to fucking watch it for six years, you motherfuckers. Then I created My Name is Earl and I pitched it all over town and everybody said it's not a TV show. Sorry, we're not going to do it. And I just hung on to it and I battled and I battled and I finally got it on. Then it got canceled. I was mad about that. So I ran over to Fox and pitched Raising Hope because I wanted to get that going. So, you know, I, I, I said something to my son um, who plays hockey. Um, he didn't make, a couple years ago, he didn't make the A team. He made the B team. And mm-hmm. they have these tryouts all weekend long where Friday night you try out and then they tell you if you made the team. And they Friday night he tried out, he didn't make the team. Saturday night he tried out and they told him he, he didn't make the team yet. And then Saturday he tries out again and they told him specifically you're on the B team, you didn't make the A team. So now you have Sunday worth of tryouts, which really doesn't mean anything. You just go there and skate. And we're driving and he was bummed out and we were driving and I said... You're going to skate hard today. I hope you're going to skate hard today and really kick ass out there. And he said, why would I do that? It doesn't matter anymore. They told me last night I wasn't on the team. And I said, because today is the first day you start showing them they were wrong. Yeah. And he got this, like, spark in his eye, and he was like, ah, yeah, I get that. Dude, let me tell you something. It's one of the things that I tell my kids, but it's one of the things that I came home from this weekend with – I have never – wanted to do a podcast more than I wanted to come in here today. I've never, like I wrote all yesterday, like that knocked down. Yeah. There's only, you can do one of two things. You can lay down there. Yeah. Or you can get up and go, um, yeah, fuck you. I just wrote a script. I loved it, man. I wrote this script. I thought there was going to be a bidding war all over town in the cable and streaming space. I loved it, man. I sent it out everywhere and just shit the bed. Nobody wanted to do it. It's just, it got passed everywhere. And I found out like the last couple no's last week and I was like, oh man. And then this weekend, I just spent all weekend coming up with a new show and I, I love it. And I'm going to go pitch it, you know, in the next week. And uh, and that was all because I was like, well, what am I going to do? I got to do something. Did you know that whenever I go to the, when I go to the gym, and this is a very disturbing fact about me. Okay. When I that go, to the, go gi- to the gym, when I go to the gym, yeah, I pick one person a day to hate. Okay. And I just hate their face, and I hate the fucking shirt they're wearing, and I work out angry. Yeah. Because of that, like it's the same thing. Like I it, yeah, w- like writing angry, working out angry. Yeah. yeah. But w- that every now and then, like somebody will glance over to me. I've had a guy say to me, "Hey, man." Do I know you? Because I'm looking at him like I want to shit on his face. Do you know? What I mean? yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Do I know you?" I'm like, "I'm sorry, I picked you out to hate today." Yeah, he's like, sorry. I'm sorry. Well, you picked me out to what? I'm like, no offense, no offense. I can pick somebody else. But I kind of told him, like, I work out angry, and I put some angry music on, and then I look at your fucking stupid face, and it makes me want to work out. <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> well, you look great. Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> you look. I don't know if you're fishing for a compliment, but no, you no. look fantastic. No, I'm not. I'm just saying that the anger oh. definitely helps fuel the anger. Fire. Can be a very good thing if you use it properly. All right, Greg Garcia, we don't want to get towed. All right. It's 5.45. Let me just say this. It, I'm so, I'm listen, it speaks volumes that, and I know where you live. It speaks volumes of just the fucking person you are, that you're here in Hollywood. You know you're going to have to drive back in that fucking track. I know. I don't like leaving my home. I know. It speaks volumes, dude. And here's what I will say, the last thing, and I know you, you're not a big fan of compliments or anything, but the, it, it, what, the, uh, the last thing that your success has shown me is that you can be, a good guy who treats people well and still get to do what you want to do and be successful at it. Like there are, there I, are... I think that's true. I think that's true. And I'll tell you this, I'll tell you uh, to address that point. I'm very proud of something that happened, but it also shows you why I don't, I can't get a big head. I met 
a very nice guy who uh, created the show Blackish not long ago mm -hmm. at uh, Dodgers game. And I went up uh, to the CAA suite where he was, and, and I met him, and he, and he was very nice, and we had a nice chat. And what he, he said to me, he gave me the obligatory, like, I like your shows and stuff like that. But then he said, you know, I've never heard anybody say a bad story about you, which I think for the time amount you've been in the business, and trust me, I'm sure there's people that can, you can find them, but, but, but uh, I, said, uh, I said, wow, that's, that's very cool. That means a lot to me because that really is more important to me at the end of the day than the shows and stuff that, that you know, because the whole reason I got into comedy is I want people to like me. You know, yes, that's why I started that's why we all do it. Are you school, right? So that's very important to me. So that was really cool. Then I went home and my wife was half asleep in bed and I told her that story and I said, yeah. And then he said that he'd never met anybody that had, can say a bad thing about me. And she immediately said, have him call me. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, or they could call Ambie and Greg. He's a good time. Ambie and Greg is a good time. He hasn't been around in quite I some know. time. I know. I used to get texts from Ambie and Greg. Oh, Ambie and Greg would eBay shop. Oh, he would, my God. He would, write he would write emails to the network. Dude, I would get a text from Ambie and Greg. And then the next day, I would get a text from you that said, did you get a text from Ambie and Greg last night? I'm like, I did. Yeah. Ambie and Greg was one time naked in his driveway with Lucas Neff, the star of Raising Hope, on the phone. And he claimed that he was taking Lucas Neff through the neighborhood to go meet Ozzy Osbourne. Mm, Ambie and Greg was a good time. He was a good time. Yeah, he had, but it was time for Ambie and Greg to hit the shelf. He had to go away. Yeah. <laughs> he had to go away. Wait, can you tell me the weirdest thing Ambie and Greg bought online? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Probably just, I mean, no, I was pretty solid with my investments online. You know, it was like, you know, old lunch boxes of oh, TV yeah. shows and stuff. You know, pretty solid stuff. Smoking in the Bandit the car? Yeah, smoking in the Bandit car. I think I bought a Pacer once. Uh, uh, you did buy a pacer. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the problem with Ambie and Greg is I would, I would somehow, like, my wife was so frustrated with Ambie and Greg, and I would sometimes be doing stuff, like, crazy to, like, like I was doing a bit, but the things were so crazy that it wasn't really a bit. Because I was, yeah. like... Like I was getting in my car naked at one point and, uh -huh. and the neighbors had some guests over and they were leaving and they looked over and she's just yelling at me and... Yeah, Ambie and Greg had to go, but he was a good time. No, Ambie and Greg was good, good stuff. Yeah. Um, guys. Hey, maybe I'll do this again and Ambie and Greg will do it. Listen, <laughs> I'm going to tell you something right now. I would love, <laughs> Ambie and Greg can come in and he'll talk to Mushroom Josh. And let, that, me, let me do, I promise you this. The day I leave Hollywood to retire and all my stuff is packed up in the car, the next, the last stop I make will be Ambie and Greg will do an interview and then I'm I hitting the road. can't. Okay. Wait. Me either. Uh, guys, thank you for listening to the first episode of Fairly Normal. Uh, and thank you, Greg Garcia, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. This it very fun. much. Um, and we, we will see you. Guys, Every we're going to do this every Monday. It'll be online every Tuesday. And then once a week, I will drop a solo podcast that I will be doing from my hotel room. That will be Hi, Josh. Hi, Josh does solo, <laughs> solo hotel room podcasts. Um, the one from this weekend is... <laughs> really bizarre thank you for listening we love you